feels like the perfect backdrop uh, for what I'm going to speak on this morning. Can I ask you just to open your hearts um, and just continue to commune with him? Let this not be a time of spectatorship. Um, it's a very simple message this morning, um, but let's not spectate. I just want to invite you, just that the picture I had during worship now is just as we hearing the word that you would commune with him, that you would just be so open and with him in the space as opposed to just listening. And so friends, this morning, um, I'm wanting to speak on love and that's why I say it's such a perfect backdrop. You know, last week, uh, two weeks ago, sorry, Kirsty spoke on uh, joy and um, that's really just flowing out of Galatians 5, us wanting to be a very fruitful community and the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, all these beautiful things that we get to uh, adopt as part of our inheritance. Am I echoing? Just me. Maybe I'll go forward a bit. Um, and... Yeah, so Kirsty's. I think you entitled your message, the, what was the? Underrated. underrated. And you know what? I think love is also underrated. You know, sometimes love can be quite a cheap, uh, a cheap surface word. I think of um, Maddie when she was, uh, I think about 11, she started a business called I Love Cupcakes. And, or I Love Sugar. I Love Sugar, sorry, but she was selling cupcakes. And it was like, I love sugar. So these things that we love like that, you know, like I love sugar or, um, but then there's this, there's the powerful love that we got to experience now during worship where it just wraps itself around you. And, um, my hope for this morning is that just that we would grow in love. I think I've got three hopes. One, that we're going to grow in love as we, as we hear and as we've even participated in worship, uh, that we would also grow in love. So for each other, uh, grow in love for the world around us. And also that there, the third thing was that there would just be a baptism of his love. Um, because friends, his presence is everything. His presence is everything. And we were talking with Phil and Gina th this week and um, it's just saying about how his presence just, it, when it, it captures you, it's everything. And it's it's the same way when you, we're having Father's Day today. Uh, when you have your child, it's very different from having the love for another child, right? So you can say, oh, I like children or I love children, and you can look after them and that, and then you have your child, and it's a very different kind of love. And it, it, as we were chatting, it said it almost feels like that's the way it is with religion, you can, you know, you can have, it's all right, you know, you, you're enjoying and loving looking after these children, etc. But then you have your own child and it just touches your inner, the deep, deep, deep inner place of you. And you just will do anything for that. And it's the same with his love and how when that arrests our heart, it's like once you've tasted that, nothing, nothing else will satisfy. And so what amazes me about Jesus, the one characteristic that he says will define us as a people, as his disciples, the one characteristic when the world looks at us and they say, well, whose are those, is the fact that we would love, is that we would be known for our love, our love for each other. Um, that's from John 13, 
when Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have one, uh, if you have love for one another. Isn't that amazing? So it's such, a self, it's such an evident love that people would say, oh, those are Jesus' followers because of our love. And the question is, if I look at the broader church, is that what we are known for? If people look at us, you and me, and where we come from, do they look and they say, oh, wow, they must be this, they must be followers of Jesus. Um, now, if you've ever been, as Helmut and Vida have, and uh, my mom at the airport when uh, we haven't seen each other for a long time, you know Kirsty's quite exuberant, right? <laughs> yes. But if you've been at the airport when, you know, when Helmut and Vidi used to live in Germany for, you know, and we hadn't seen them for months, or uh, when Madison comes back from Cape Town at the airport, there people look and stare. <laughs> because there is running, there is jumping, there is screeching. And um, it's not just like a, you know, this, this subtle embrace. Um, now, I'm not saying that she loves or we love each other more than anyone else. What I'm saying is that love looks like something. It's, dem it's demonstrative. It's, it's evident. People, like I say, look and stare. It's like, oh, wow, they must really have a good relationship, this mother and daughter or, you know, or whatever. I mean, there's, run there's jumping, you know, even Madison when she comes. Hey? Yeah, yeah. Well, Maddie does that to me as well, jumps around me like a koala. So... Um, Anyway, it's, it's evident. And so my challenge is to us is that we need to grow in love. As I've had to grow in being a parent and the way I love my children, we need to grow in this space as opposed to it being something that is the way we need to grow in joy. It's something that we grow into and we're like, oh, we get to embrace. The more we embrace it, the more full we get. And... Um, you know, I think if we look through all of the, uh, if I'm, I'm going to not do a great job on the whole topic of love because there's many different types of love today, but uh, in in the word. But I just want to touch on it and encourage us to grow in this space. And if we look in the um, New Testament in Ephesians, it talks about us being grounded in love. Uh, Ephesians three, it says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. This is Paul praying for us that you being rooted and grounded in love. That's like a tree. It's like that's the absolute base for survival for a tree is to be rooted and grounded. So for us to flourish, we need to be, that's our, that's our starting point. So that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength comp to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the depth and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So it's almost like from that rooting, that base level of where we are planted in love that we grow in, we get to actually experience the fullness of Christ as we grow in that space. Uh, Philippians says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Thessalonians, uh, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and everyone else, just as our does for you. 
It's meant to be this thing that grows and abounds. It's not meant to be a little bit. and a, It's this thing that grows and grows and grows. It's part of this inheritance that we have in this glory-to-glory glory kingdom that we've been uh, baptized into. And uh, one more, Peter, 1 Peter 4 verse 8 says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers over a multitude of sins. And friends, I think if you look around, you'll know we're living in a, quite a sinful world, right? Um, that's what this world is needing, to cover over this multitude of sins. I think in these very difficult, and can I call it evil times, they, if you just look around a little bit, it is a very evil world that we are living in. And I just want to say that people out there are desperate, desperate for the love of Jesus. You know, love is something that's wired into the innermost part of our DNA. It's like this thirst on the inside of you from where you were, because that's where you were birthed from, when we were created in His image. You know, God is love. That, like your birthplace, the innermost part of your being is desperate for love. And that's either going to be satisfied by His love or it's going to be satisfied by something else. And um, the world is desperate to look through and see the love of Jesus in your eyes. I think the last, um, over the last while, I've been spending a little bit more time on, on Twitter, and um, maybe not uh, healthily so. <laughs> in, not that it's that much time, but just in terms of like, whoa, as I, what, I've been, what I've been exposed to, can I put it that way? It was like, I realized, like, my goodness, my, my heart was, like, wrenched at how sad the world is. Like, incredibly, incredibly sad. And, you know, last Saturday I went for a walk, um, which I like to do on a Saturday, go for, like, a long walk. And just as I was contemplating this, that those, those lines that uh, Pitt so graciously uh, included in worship, um, I just, like, was singing this, re- this refrain. So I wrote a little song. You'll be very proud. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> but it was deep to me. Um, and it was just like, the, just singing this, like for, because a long walk, just like, Lord, like your love cuts through the hate. Kirsty's like, oh, that's quite a big word, hate. And I'm like, yeah, that is the word that comes to mind. There is hate. It's not just intolerance for each other. There's hate that is breeding in the world at the moment, you know, and um, his love is the only thing that can actually cut through, right through the middle of that. Not just like arguments for this or for that, but just straight through to the heart, to the deepest, most innermost part of your being that is crying out for fulfillment and his love. And so I want to say that the answer to what is happening in this world at the moment is always love. You know, I think of the father's response when he looked down and he saw just like the chaos and the sin and the separation from him. What was his response? As a holy, holy God, his response was to pour out Jesus. Like Kirsty said earlier, it's almost like as a parent, it's to pour out your Jude or your your child. His response is such deep. He sees the broken, desperate sinful, rebellious, evil people. And his father's heart response is, he just wants to gather them. 
And so he pours out his son with such love. Uh, He's everything in order to redeem and to bring uh, those of us, us guilty sinners, so that we can sit on his lap like we saw that picture of Jude and, and Helmut earlier. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So the response to the craziness that is in the world at the moment is a father that just pours out his love. Romans 5 verse 8, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were in that broken, depraved, rebellious, shaking our finger at God in that space, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so now we get to love now because he first loved us. 1 John uh, 4. And so friends, coming back to living in this place of the fruit of the Spirit, of just living in this place of of, of joy and of love. In, in Galatians 5, Galatians 5 continues, it goes on and it says, uh, For you were called to freedom, brothers, not only to, uh, to use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. And if I look at what's happening in the world at the moment, there's biting and devouring. And the concern is that if we don't rise up as the body, which we will, and we are, uh, we will be consumed by one another. Dinner time conversations, people say, oh, well, there's a tipping point coming, you know, in certain um, societies in, in, in the world where it's just, gonna, it's just imploding on itself. And for me, this is this. And this is literally the scripture straight after like the fruit of the Spirit. So like what is the, um, what are the fruits of the Spirit? It's either going to be love, joy, peace, patience, etc., or it's going to be this, where we bite and devour one another and then get consumed by each other. And the world is breeding a them and us. Uh, it's very divided <laughs> and it's very argumentative and there is a lot of hate. And... I get that, um, and I'm, I think I'm talking about the, the Christians that pl- operate on those platforms. I get that we need to defend truth. I can understand that, but I think the way that it's been going, they're going about it is not necessarily the right way because the, the results are not there, right? This for me is a, a scripture on truth and how in response to the truth, do we get to def- defend the truth like that? Or do we do it like this, what Peter, 1, Peter two, uh, 1 verse 22 says, Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so from that place, so that you have sincere, obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. So friends, I want to say that the love response that we get to bring as an antidote to what's happening around us at the moment is always love. Now, I just want to carry on, just uh, sticking with Galatians. You know, we, they say the fruit of the Spirit is what I've mentioned, and then they also say the fruit or the, 
so to speak, the bad fruits or the works of the flesh, and we, we read through that often. Um, Ella, will you put up that one that I actually just wanted to highlight it, just to the first one, yeah, thank you. So there's a whole bunch of things like, you know, the works of the flesh, and we run through it, and like, yeah, that's for them, you know, it's so obvious. But I want to do a little bit of a divide today and just show you something. So we know the, um, the, the works of the flesh evidence, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and all these things like. And we think that's part of the wicked world's fruit, right? But if you divide these up, and I just put the ones that are the very obvious ones in there that we're like, yes, okay, definitely, that's, that's not a, um, those are really bad. But go to the next slide. There's a whole bunch of those things that I'm seeing, not of us here, but that I'm seeing as a, that, that fruit there defines a lot of the, the wider church. If you look at these platforms, right, we see divisions, fits of anger, rivalries, enmity, strife, dissensions. Now, go to the, um, the next slide. Just to, dis- just to highlight that, what is enmity? I mean, you have to look it up. A state or feeling of active opposition or hostility. Does that ring a bell as you look at some of those, uh, if you've engaged in those places? Uh, what about strife? Next one. Angry or bitter disagreement over fundamental issues, conflict. And then dissensions, finally. Disagreement that leads to discord. And there is a lot of discord happening at the moment. And so, friends, I just do that to highlight, to say, like, what is the fruit? As the church, are we going to be known for those so demonstrative in our love or in our, I think that those last three are quite, um, uh, they're quite evident as I look around. And Jesus warns that, can a blind man lead a blind man? Uh, that's in Luke 6. He says, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but when everyone, uh, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. And who is the disciple? We are the disciple, and who is our teacher? Jesus is saying, you're not above me. So we need to look at, like, how does Jesus respond when sin is thrown in his face, right? What is his response? And so, because when we are fully trained, we are going to look like Jesus. And that's surely, that's what we're after, right? Um, and I want to say that a broken world needs to look deep in the eyes of Jesus, not in judgment. Luke 6 says how he responds to, um, how does he respond to sinners? He says, it says, he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. I'll read the whole scripture. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back some amount, the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, 
and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. And you know, as I have chats with some people about this, the default reaction is, well, you know, you, you're being soft on sin. And I don't agree, because Jesus wasn't soft on sin. And we are being trained in to be like our teacher. We are trained to be like him. And so, for me, what did people see when they looked into the eyes of Jesus? Because every time I see sinners looking into the eyes of Jesus, coming into his presence, they, it leads them to the other side into a place of freedom. And so I'm just questioning, like, are we uh, reacting to the world in judgment? Or when they see us, is the first thing that is, the first characteristic that they think of is that we are loved, uh, they are loved by us. Let's look at uh, some of the things that Jesus did. Um, Luke 5, verse 27. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answers them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come to, not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And I think sometimes we can be a little bit too focused as the characteristic of wanting to get people to repentance. Friends, you can be so right. You can be so, so right, but so wrong. Because is it leading them to repentance? Or is it just leading them to a place of strife and enmity and like just this discord um, it, it, as we try to get people to repentance? Luke 19 uh, what about Zacchaeus, the tax collector, who's also regarded as a sinner? Jesus chooses to dine in his home, leading Zacchaeus to repentance. And Jesus saying, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Once again I say, you can be so right. You're right. Have you tried that with your kids? You can, you can be so right, and you can just say it like it is and be so right. But to get to win their heart over is a very different story. And so that religious spirit that says, you know, oh, well, I'll be judged by, the, you know, the, the world is like reacting poorly against me because I'm just calling out the truth, you know. And so you will be persecuted, yes. I'd like to say just maybe potentially question that. Because you can be so right, but so wrong. Um, what it, if, if I look at um, every encounter, when a sinner encounters Jesus, it leads them out onto the other side into a place of freedom. Uh, because that's why he came. Not to condone sin. Um, to set us free so that we can live in complete, complete freedom from sin. Um, I want to just, uh, one last one for, from uh, John 8, the woman caught in adultery. Now, friends, this is quite hectic. The woman's caught in adultery, busted, 
you know, guilty, like she's expecting to be stoned and to die. Just think about like the fear in that moment. And the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman and caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. They're so right. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such woman. Now, what do you say? What does Jesus say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write in the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw the stone at her. Again, he stooped down to write on the ground, and wrote on the ground, At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. But Jesus doesn't leave it there. This isn't a, we just let anything slide, you do you, I do me kind of world where that's what you, are, that's what you believe, that's fine. This is what I believe, and it's your reality, my reality. No, Jesus cuts through, his love cuts right through to the place where he's like, no, the end of this is freedom for you, that you won't be stuck in, in these chains anymore. Jesus declares to us, now go and leave your life of sin. Jesus was never soft on sin, but he doesn't come to bring judgment. His kindness leads us to repentance. And so friends, I think, as I said, it's a very simple message this morning. But just to, um, to open up our hearts and say, Jesus, come and baptize me in your love that I would be known as one who loves. When people that are broken, my default reaction isn't step away from the broken. And when the broken walk into our, you know, into our kids' classrooms, into our, around our dinner tables, into this room as we gather to worship, if there's any reaction in you like this, of that's like, they're so yucky, you know, versus an embracing towards, because that's what the Father did. He poured out himself when, he, when those things came into his, situa- in, into his sphere. He, Jesus pours himself out. And not only that, the person, even when he calls them out, you know, like the woman at the well, you know, on their sin, no, you're right, you haven't had one husband, you've had five husbands, you know. She doesn't react against him. She's intrigued. What did Jesus' eyes look like? As you stare deep into the eyes of Jesus, what is, the rea- what is the reaction of a sinner? That's the place that we are growing into. That's the kind of environment as the collective church that we're wanting to um, facilitate and foster, that there's this place of healing. This is a safe healing space that people can walk into with all their nonsense and find transformation. Because on the other side of the cross, there is transformation, there is freedom, and us being set free. So, simple message, but I'd like you to look at your hearts as you engage with whatever social media 
that you engage with over the next week and see what pops up. Uh, you might be challenged, uh, as I was challenged, where I'm like, oh, I'm starting to react to certain things, as opposed to, no, no, wide open arms in order to bring salvation, healing, uh, and wholeness. And so I just want to finish with reading Romans 12. That's calling us to authentic love. It says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. In a different way to maybe the way you used to. You know, in your, your my self-righteous, you know, I'm all okay now. Versus like, actually, I was a rotten sinner and I've been made pure by him. But now I'm like, I get the ability to point fingers at all those doing wrong around me. No, that's, that's the way I was. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. I love that. It's a competition. <laughs> Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. You might get a comment back on Twitter. It's not always up to you. Um, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals in his head. Do not overcome evil. Um, sorry, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so that's where I want to end. I think the only way that we are going to um, bring evil to its, to its knees is by responding with love. And um, yeah, it's quite a, a broad topic. But as I said, I think if you just meditate on this a little bit as you engage with your interactions with everyone around you and not just on social media. Just think about that, you know, that the, the way for us to bring evil to its knees is actually just to, it's the simplicity of the gospel. A gospel that has come to set them free, not by good laws being passed or anything on a political sphere, but actually just by the love of Jesus. What if we could be the solution that this world is looking for. The few of us here. Amen. So I think we're going to finish there, but I just wanted to just finish in, can we finish in prayer? Did you want to say something as well? Um, but can we maybe just stand? And for me, I think the, the first step in this regard is actually just to take a... Um, a foot forward in humility and um, humility and repentance and say, like, Lord, if, if you need to repent in this area, which I'm guessing all of us do, is to say, like, Lord, let your love grow in my heart. Where I've been, 
where judgment is my first reaction instead of your love and faith that your gospel actually has the power to dismantle the stronghold of what I'm seeing going on around me as opposed to my judgmental comments or judgmental heart? Can we say, Father, we just want to repent. We pray right now, Father, that you would just come and flood our hearts, every single one of us, Jesus. We open up our hearts with, with humility and we say, won't you come and baptize us in your love? Thank you that you loved us first. That we can now love. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that it's not even our love that we need to pour out. It's your love that you have so abundantly showered upon us, Father. And so we pray, Father, come, let your love flow. Let us be defined by your love internally, just you and me. And then I pray, Father, from that space that us as a body would be defined to the outside world, Father, just by the love that then flows through us.